Good evening, travelers of the night. Welcome to the second season of The Stranger, where the immersion of an audio drama meets the chaos and uncertainty that is Dungeons and Dragons. Today, we're joined by Ari as Esperanza. This coffee tastes awful, but I'm drinking it anyway. Matt as Inquisitor Nihilus von Stonen. The one, the only, the true Inquisitor. Shane as Trevor. Uh, you know, I'm just happy to be here. And Asteria as Dr. Isadora Glass. Salutations and felicitations. At the end of our first season, these four unfortunate souls were stranded in the salt wastes, their friends stolen by the insidious Van Thorn family, battered, beaten, and bruised by their first encounter in this treacherous wasteland. Hanging on to life by a thread, they attempt to find their way home. So without further ado, let's begin. Trevor, you feel the tug of the rope at your waist. It pulls taut to Dr. Glass, who's tied to Esperanza, who's tied to Nihilus. The salt batters your helmet so hard that you see little divots forming in the glass. The storm is treacherous, and the amount of walking hours has become days with seldom much opportunity for shelter and finally in between the thick gusts of salty wind you see an old brick building similar to whatever structures still exist here in the salt wastes it's not in a good state but there's no cracks divots this might actually be a safe place to stay. How far you are from civilization, from the Citadel, from Port Hillcrest, it's hard to tell. It's been mountains and valleys, and mountains and valleys and rubble, and finding direction when there's barely ever a sky to see is even harder. With his hand on his brow, trying to keep the salt out of his eyes, Trevor follows the rope tied to his waist to his companion's and shouting out over the winds and the gusts blowing the sand about. Uh, there's something up there. Uh, I don't know if this is like the place we need to be, but it's a place in between that at least. We should probably check it out. On your lead, Trevor. We have to get out of this weather. Nihilus, you feel the rope pull taut again as Trevor pulls forward and approaches the door. He kind of runs his hand along the metal surface before giving it just like a little shoulder check to try and get it to swing open. The door bursts open. You stumble inside, everybody following suit. The rope pulls taut against everybody as you're clamoring into the building out of the storm and violently the door shuts behind you. You're in an old, what looks to be residential complex. The lobby is cold and dark You hear a constant dripping sound. You see a desk that might be for greeting and a stairwell with these apartment doors, each one 
Looks like they've been broken into in the past, in the long past, however long this building has stood here in the salt wastes, far longer than anything else on this island that is modern civilization. And looking up through the gap in the stairs, you can't help but notice there's a light on at the top floor. What would you like to do? Trevor puts his hand up. He gives a point over to where he sees the light coming from. Now that the salt isn't obscuring her vision anymore, he's making eye contact through the helmet. And just faintly, he whispers, I think there's someone here. Possibly another water stalker? Possibly. We need to be quiet. Esper's just going to silently start to look one way to the next, peering around. Esper, among everybody in the group, you're the most hurt from the last fight and treasuring through the salt wastes has not done anything to help that. Bandages, what little could be cobbled up, are all that are holding you together. And as you look around, please roll a perception check. That'd be a natural four for a three. Besides the broken apartment doors, damaged walls, ceiling and floors, a dripping and a... They certainly don't look habitable. In many of them, like this mold has grown for the moisture that's in here. Certainly wouldn't want to breathe that, which is unfortunate because it's still better than breathing the air that's outside. That with one breath would fill your lungs with salt. As Esper is peering around, there's a definite squinting going on in her eyes, and you'll see her reach up and try to rub away the perspiration that is both natural and unnatural from traveling long distance, as injured as they are, in this dense and humid area. But it doesn't seem to help, and, and this shake of her head eventually just gives up. Trevor, giving one more look to everyone, if we need to stay here for the night which I think we do we might need to get acquainted with our neighbors I know some of y'all are hurt so maybe it'd be best if I go on ahead I can at least run if I have to I trust your judgment Trevor I don't wish for there to be a fight but try to do whatever you can are you planning on sneaking and spying or showing yourself to them outright well I reckon there's a there's a sequence to these things, right? Go in a little subtle. Uh, assess. Kind of makes quotation marks with his hands. You know, just uh, make sure that they seem friendly. I was merely going to suggest that when you do approach for the first time, if they first encounter you and you're carrying an injured old lady, they might feel sympathy and underestimate our abilities. I don't know. I think we might have struck gold when we met Vander. To live out here, I think, means maybe doing some unsavory things. When you look at an injured old lady, some people might be willing to empathize, but to others, it just makes you a target. Yes, our options are seem like a threat or seem like no threat. Do you think we can seem like such a threat that they won't mess with us and our current state. Probably not. It's up to you. That idea was the last of my energy for the moment. Understand. Um, I'll try and get up there as quietly as I can. And she pats him on the elbow 
and whispers, we rarely do poorly in your hands, Trevor. And he has bardic inspiration. Pressure's on, I guess. Um, I won't let you down. Won't let any of you down. He's going to slowly start to back away. And uh, he's going to try and as slowly and as carefully as he possibly can, even with his big jack boots and his heavy frame, he's going to try and ascend and seek out the source of the light. Please roll stealth. Oh. Uh, you know what? Since I've got it, I might as well use it. I'll also add Bardic on top of that. Uh, your Bardic is a D6? Just double-checking, but I think it's still 6. Yeah. In that case, it is a 24. The staircase is stone. With each step, curling your foot from outside to flat so that not a sound can be made you slowly round each level to the second and third you see an equal level of deterioration decay water dripping down looks like it's getting in from somewhere but the salt clearly isn't and As you make your way to the top floor, you see, perhaps not what you expected to, there are lights strung in the hallway, draped. You see the door is decorated, a little wreath around it, and a doormat with bees on it that says welcome. You see, hanging next to the door, a honeypot. And on the door it says, Hello, neighbor. Help yourself. There's a door knocker. And around the edges of the door you can see light and shadows. And hear the footsteps behind it. As uh, Trevor approaches just the most perplexed look on his face he looks at the doormat looks at the honeypot the lights the door as nice as this looks he's still being cautious he wants to take a look at the door and he's going to very slowly uh, reach his hand out He wants to kind of check the door for... He wants to check for traps. Please roll investigation. Oh, that's not... I don't know why I suggested that. Uh... Okay. That's a 12. As you see the rest of the group also silently making their way up, approaching the top of the stairwell, you look at the door, at the seams underneath and around the edges at the door knob and its lock and everything strikes you as mundane but the most bizarre thing of this is the room next door is equally in a state of decay though you don't look at this door to think well maybe it's magic because you can see signs of upkeep repairs made over and over again even repainting 
layers of paint have been added. This is clearly being maintained by somebody, but as for traps, none to be found. Uh, Trevor's just going to turn around. Uh, he's going to kind of back up a, a, a touch, then trying to find uh, the rest of the party in the darkness. He's just going to kind of give a symbol to them, just a kind of come hither, like it's clear you can come up carefully, cautiously, doing their best to not drag their feet. They're going to follow the sign. Holding on to Nihilus. Dr. Glass accompanies. Just kind of still whispering, trying his best to be as quiet as possible. (laughs) This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. What What do you mean? I mean, who does this, right? We're in the middle of nowhere. He's just gonna real quick start to walk up to the door. Uh, do I? He's, he's literally looking there like a kid, making sure he's not doing anything wrong. He kind of shrugs. This smells good. Uh, Nihilus would particularly like to, if if at all possible, uh, would like to look for any signs of how recently everything has been put together. Is there like dust? Is it well maintained? He wants to have like a guess of, based on that he's going to make a theory of where we spotted and this is for us or has this already been here for? Please give me another investigation check. Will do. No, it's a bit of a wild question. Total of 15. The pot of honey, if you grab onto the little honeycomb stick that's out of it and pull it up you see that it's developed a little layer of a a hard surface, meaning it's been there not too long, but enough to just dry out a bit in this hallway. Um, The welcome mat, you see there's these little rings of dust around the corners, meaning it's, it's been moved, it's jostled before. But at the same time, the mat is clean. It's maintained. Somebody goes and dusts this thing out. At least they must. Besides that, you can smell the aroma of this sweet, almost cake-like smell coming from inside. And you begin to hear a kettle whistle before some quick belabored footsteps cross the room and clearly must remove it from the fire as the whistle diminishes. He takes a close look with his fingers he goes through his elegant mustache twirling it up it's it's he needs a shave at this point but he does uh, does his best he turns around to the rest of the party and in a low voice he whispers look we're not in the best state perhaps we should lay open ourselves have a bit of faith I think this is too much effort one would put out specifically to attract people. These noises, I have a sense, at least an instinct, that this is just a warm welcome in the middle of nowhere. A little light in the darkness. Let us try to be respectful. If if they're making tea, then they have water and they have... Honey smells so good. It smells like... If this is... 
this, this is fake. I don't care. I want to take it. Esper's going to wrap their fingers on the door. And Dr. Glass just leans more heavily on Nihilus to, to look more tired and helpless. <laughs> uh, hello? Hello? Is there somebody in there? Yes, yes. One moment. You hear from the other side as footsteps cross the room and get to the door. Turn the knob and it opens to a gaunt, tall man. Kind of leathery, old skin. Those, what do you call them, liver spots around. This is an old man. He has these piercing yellow eyes, though. Probably one of the most notable qualities. And you see he's wearing this cloak that turns into a robe, a hood with a net that seems to be able to be cast over the front of it, but that's currently down as he greets you with a smile. Uh, uh, Hello? Hello? Um... We are sorry if if we are bothering you, but we've been outside for a very, a very long time. And could, you have tea. Uh, uh, sorry. Yes. Where are my manners? Uh, come in. And he steps aside immediately. And the first thing you notice is the house is warm. It's it's almost inviting. It feels lived in. You you smell that smell of somebody else's house. Uh, you. You smell the the honey, the sweetness, and you can smell tea, which was poured into a cup. I I didn't make enough for more than myself, but I'll do so right now. Take a seat. You must be tired. And he steps over and grabs the kettle, fills it from a basin of water, and puts it back on the fire. I think Esper's so tired and worn down that the sight of this person... Even though they have yellow eyes, the smell of their home hits her probably a little hard because you said it smelled like cakes, right? Yeah. Esper's going to walk in. There's no need to fake how Esper feels because Esper absolutely feels awful. They drag themselves in. They're slower than normal. But they're not willing to part too much to separate themselves too much from the rest of the group so they will definitely be also waiting for them it's not a large apartment it's a few steps from the door and you're at a table the chairs have these embroidered cushions on them they look handmade dr glass makes her way straight to a chair and lowers herself into it trevor uh following closely behind the two of them is giving uh, a little bit of a scan of the whole place. He is just looking around, um, just trying to justify to himself how this could even be here. Uh, and he kind of calls out uh, to the other room, just saying, like, oh, I appreciate you uh, letting us in like that. A place like this... Uh, this is like an oasis in the desert, you know? Just, you, you can't get too many visitors, can you? Oh, stop it. I, I'm i sorry for the mess. I don't need the compliments. 
as eventually he comes back with a tray of of little cups and tea bags in the middle, places it in the center of the table. Well, yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. I mean, it's a lot better than hanging out outside in the salt, so I don't want to understate how much we appreciate this. Uh, thank you, sir. Yes, I I don't get too many visitors, so I'm, you can almost sense this, like, social anxiety on him, this, like, I'm not familiar with even, t- I have maybe haven't even talked to a person in a while. And he takes out a small jar, similar to the one that was out on the door, with a pot of honey. Uh, for, for the For the tea. Here. And he takes it and pulls it up and you see the honey drip down. It has this like yellowish, orangish, like a condensed quality. Darker. Like it's it's been dried a bit and it's thicker. How how it, bees can survive out here? Well, they, they can survive anywhere you make a, a hospitable environment for them. One of my old friend's father, he kept bees. He said that they, they needed flowers. Yes, yes, that's that's true. Bees need flowers, though not all bees. There are other places bees can find what, what they need and survive. As he's talking, Esper is going to, like, I'm assuming there's a spoon somewhere or anything like that, and Esper is going to take it and, and tip it into the honey and give a little sniff and then just... Please roll, uh, survive. Please roll, no medicine. You know, for 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 investigating the honey. It's it's an organic material. We're saying concave. <laughs> Natural fifteen for a fourteen. I will not die from this honey. It's of course it's sweet. Um, it's almost creamy, like a condensed milk. It bears this this thicker, more luxurious quality to it. This, it's, it's so different, but I, I bet this would make fantastic honey bread. Honey bread? I haven't made honey bread in a long time. I think I have the ingredients I could try. You do? Well, it's bread, right? All the same, Esper's face kind of perks right up and their eyes widen. Uh, I mean... Would you like to use my kitchen. I, I, I wouldn't want to, to mess around with your your things. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm okay. Can you... Or actually, give me one second. Let me make a quick roll. <laughs> he pushes the honey towards you and says, Well, I, I won't make you, but I have far too much of this, and even with all of you as guests, I couldn't run out. It would be useful to make use of some I wouldn't mind I, in fact I might like that um well if, the, if there's enough for me to make as much as I can that will leave you you some I, I, I can I, I could do this I, I know how to make bread just bread I don't cook anything else yes please and, and kind of in that hesitant, like, 
constantly kind of pausing. They're going to push themselves up from the chair, looking around at the others, kind of gauging the approval, disapproval on their faces. But all the same, they are getting up and they're going to make their way around the apartment. Flour, some sort of fat, usually an oil. You can do it without eggs or dairy. It wouldn't be the best loaf, but if he has them, that's all the better. And of course, honey, yeast if he has it. You'll find all of those things, and you could do so. Please roll a skill check on making the honey, and we'll come back to that. Uh, what would that skill check be, do you think? Let's use a wisdom plus proficiency, and you can just keep this as, like, you're a baker, so you can do these things. Okay. Also an argument for intelligence, since it's baking, and people always say, oh, baking is a science. That's true. It is a science. I am, I am minimally less bad at one of them. <laughs> Your pick. So wisdom check plus proficiency, that's five. We'll come back to that. Look, it's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a long day. She don't feel good. Every baker sometime confuses sugar and salt. I learned that from MasterChef. <laughs> Nihilus, who has been standing a little bit to the sides, he's been just observing. He steps forwards and... <clears throat> grasps the cup uh, of tea. Uh, he does his best to perform a posture of upright, respectful manner, even though his back aches and his feet blister and his hand is shaking rapidly and he takes a sip and says back, Peace be with you, friend. Where are manners? I'm Nihilus von Stonen. Like my friend here said, you are a welcome sight. So many questions pop into my mind, but it is not me to question you in a moment like this. Thank you, truly. No, I, I, I love the company, and you, you are from. I, I, forgive me. I don't want to be rude. From Kieranstone, the accent. A, a smile pops on Nihilus's face. Oh yes, that's right. No, a lot of people get that on first instance. Well, guess you know your way around people, huh? I've spent my time with a, a lot of meridials. <laughs> Even more questions. And he's going to try to find a place to sit down as well and grasp his tea. And how does it taste? The tea is delightful. Do you add honey to it? Certainly. Uh, it's, it is luxurious. It's like drinking velvet. It has this herbal Oof. quality. And frankly, where he gets tea out here, that's, you know, that's a mystery. Among many things. Honestly, Nihilus is trying to hold back a tear from, like, seeping through, but he's just enjoying. Uh, first, as a doctor, does piercing yellow eyes mean anything to Dr. Glass? Roll medicine. I will be rolling with this advantage. Neither was great. Seven. Hmm. I mean, that's unusual, though, right? Humans don't have yellow eyes. It's it's absolutely unusual. Uh, why his eyes are like this? As you look into them, you see the irises and the little craggles and texture. Kind of has this front and back yellow and dark yellow. They almost pierce. And the only other place you've seen something like that is with only one other person who has unusual eyes. 
Esper. Different color, but it's the only similar situation. Very interesting. Um, and espers are blue, right? They are blue, but they're not like sky blue like you would assume them to be. They are quite a dark blue. They could easily, from a distance, be mistaken for black. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they also occasionally might sheen like cat's eyes. Yes. It, uh, when light reflects on them from the dark, there are greens and purples that reflect off their eyes. So, Dr. Glass has a lot in her head, and uh, that's a passing thing. She notices. Uh, to backtrack a second, would I. Do the rest of us know that Esper saw Ken die? Would they have related that vision that they had at the end of the last session, or not yet? I would say that at the end of the last session, we traveled into the salt wastes and it's been a treacherous time uh though no technical effects in your character sheets survival is very hard out there especially without somebody who knows how to do so probably wasn't time okay but just she knows that their allies have been likely captured by the van thorns uh anyway thank you uh what she's doing right now is she she takes the cup of tea that's handed to her as as we've discussed she takes it very bitter so she sips it first without the honey uh, and then to be polite to the host she considers the honey and uh, t- tastes a little on her finger similarly you have a similar experience with it uh, to everybody else the tea as you taste it you know without the honey it's honestly a little bit stale might be old, old tea, but it's, it's tea. It has some herbal qualities to it. All right, fine. Then I'll stir in the honey. Tastes great. Absolutely great. And as Esper comes back to the table with a tray of fresh honey bread, kind of puts it in the center. And the host, of course, first reaches out and grabs one as the honey drips off the side, you know, stretches it, takes a bite. You see him pause for a moment. <laughs> Well, I haven't had this in a while, so thank you. Uh, Truly. I, I I haven't made it in a while either, so it's probably... She's going to reach down quickly and take a bite of some. And you'll notice it's, it's a little bit overcooked, a little bit stale. The ingredients probably didn't help you here. You notice that they seemed old as well. But nonetheless, yeah. he, still, he still strikes a genuine smile and says... I will never strike a guest's cooking. Thank you. It's it's definitely not my best. I'm sorry. But, um, well, at least it's not inedible. True. And you all look tired and miserable as hell. Why don't I take you to a room you can stay in and rest? I don't want to keep you here on my behalf. We'll have time to speak. And meat? Yeah. Uh, I, I was actually about to... About to raise that exact point. Uh, your honey and your tea and your bread. We thank you for your hospitality. And a warm bed. 
man, that that's just what we need. Uh, we don't even know your name. Who are you, friend? My name's Dredgewell. My friends used to call me Dredge. I didn't pick it. <laughs> I'm uh, Trevor the... I'm Trevor. It's nice to meet you. Here, d- don't let me keep you. Uh, he stands up and he takes his cup of tea as he walks through the narrow hallway. It's not a big apartment, but it's enough. And there's doors on the left and right. He points out to three separate rooms. Uh, well, I have my room, and then I have these three. For guests. Not that they get used very much. You might need to dust a bit off the bed. But hopefully it's enough. I just ask. And as he looks towards the end of the hall, you see a door that's a little bit different from the rest. It has this rubber seal around the edge. He says, That's my bee room. They're very temperamental. I have to be careful when entering and exiting. I ask that you don't go in there. Uh, not to worry. <laughs> I learned my lesson way back when, when I was just young and not to do that. So, uh, <laughs> I ain't going to be knocking over too many hives. Uh, I, it's so weird looking around this place. Do you got, I, I suppose you don't get much visitors, but you still got the beds prepared. Are how do you, how do you survive out here? Well, I find what I can use. There are some places that I've located nearby with some old, old, old supplies. One of them still has some. I can't share where that is, otherwise I won't have any left. And occasionally I get the guest and the random wanderer who comes upon my humble abode. And I I like to be helpful. That's that's all there is to it. We are plum lucky to have you. (laughs) Uh, It was actually not too long ago, uh, I want to say weeks, that a water stalker uh, came by and he enjoyed some tea and I offered him my kitchen, sent him on his way, looking much happier and healthier than when he arrived. Oh, uh, he travel on his own, or was he with someone else? Most water stalkers are on their own. It's rare to find one who travels with companions. Uh, we're new to the island. We we actually ran into a water stalker too, but uh, he was he was traveling with a dog, and uh, something else. New to the island, and you're here in the in the wastes. Why? Trust me. If we had the choice, we would not be here. Uh, we, uh... And there's a bit of a pregnant pause. We, uh, we got... We got lost. Well, I'll show you the way back when you leave. And you'll find your way back to civilization. Ah, much appreciated. I forget, Les, have we heard bees... Focusing on it, curious about it, you open your senses a bit to hear down the hall, and coming up out of the ambient drones of the wind outside, you do hear a buzzing from behind the door, very reminiscent of a beehive, 
though you haven't seen or heard of anything like this on the island. Okay, uh, Dr. Glass would like to, her wheels are turning, but she'd like to thank Mr. Dredgewell. Thank you so much, Mr. Dredgewell. Uh, we'll select our rooms. Yes, enjoy yourselves. Uh, and here, and he goes over to the cupboard, opens it up, and takes out some scones, more honey, little tea bags, uh, trays, uh, in case you want to help yourself. Hands it to Trevor, seeing that Dr. Glass might not be the most capable of wielding it in two hands. <laughs> oh, well, mighty kind. We'd also appreciate just some plain water. Of course. And out comes a pitcher. Hands out as well to Nihilus. You've, you've been very kind, thank you. It's my pleasure. Now, I hope you understand... Breakfast is in the morning. It's late. Can't tell, but I've gotten a sense of the hours here in the wastes. So, I'll expect you then. Yes, we have lots to speak about. Thank you. And he goes up. And into Esper's mind, Dr. Glass says, I think perhaps join me in a room, dear, at least... For the immediate moment, there's a very slight nodding of the head, but there's no there's no verbal or telepathic reply. And she says to Nihilus and Trevor, "Gentlemen, Esper and I are going to withdraw. Don't disrobe and go to sleep immediately, in case we need to compare notes about something, or switch rooms, or if I need your help with something. You know how." How needy and helpless I am. Nyla's already disrobing. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's trying. He, he's smart enough to know that this isn't how you talk. But he's just not smart enough to really pick up what you're putting down. So he's just like, yes, I'm just going to do what you say. Good lad. And Dr. Glass picks the room nearest the bee room, the forbidden room. Which Esper follows them into. And as soon as she, the doors close behind them, she starts uh, ritually casting Detect Magic. And she says to Esper, call me a paranoid old broad, if you like, but something mm, a little bit wish I hadn't tried that honey. The honey is, is, is a little funny. I still feel very bad I didn't make very good But I was about to apologize for not trying the bread, but since it also had the honey on it. Don't try the bread. It didn't come out very good. Uh, if he doesn't... I'm, he's been very kind. And we, we needed a little kindness right now, but I am confused by that. Just, just a little bit. If the bees don't have flowers... Or, or rather, maybe there are some that bloom in this kind of place. I, just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it. Have we seen flowers at all in our trap? He, he seemed to imply that this was not flowers that they were getting their mm -hmm. source from. But he didn't say what it was. He didn't say flowers. He didn't say pollen. 
And also here on the island, uh, flowers are seldom seen, though you don't do know of a rare moonflower, which is coveted, found in the mountains. Which was used by Eirik, who was also very kind. Eirik, who drugged us all without telling us. So yeah, I, you can kind of see the gears in Esper's head turn a little bit as they're thinking back on their journey, and just, it clearly doesn't make sense to them. But also, they're a little stuck on the fact that they made bad honey bread. <laughs> Esper's with you, but also not as fast as you can do it. And Dr. Glass is puttering around. No, she's not. She's exhausted. She has a limp. But her mind is puttering around as she's uh, casting this ritual. And she's saying, I'm so not in the mood to kill this man tonight. I, I really hope we don't have to. But I, he might not leave us a choice. I really wanted to, to get a good night's sleep. Well, you know, we, we can we can wait it out. We, I, uh, neither of us feel very good. If something is starting to go really wrong, then we might have to do something. But, you know, maybe... We, uh, maybe we don't have to kill everybody that we come across. Well, that's what I would like to believe as well, but this island seems to demand otherwise. I could go find him and try to put him to sleep, and then we could all just sleep. I don't know if forcing people to nap is necessarily the way, but, you, you know, you know, maybe that's the idea if we don't want to kill him. Perhaps but I we could just oh, go ahead, dear. Why don't we just wait? Well, because if we wait, we might fall asleep. Because maybe the honey put, knocks us out. You, maybe you we might fall him asleep. up now. Oh, maybe the maybe the honey is just coming from a very strange place, but it doesn't. It's not bad honey. As long as it isn't gonna just put us all to sleep. I mean. I'll be able to stay up and keep watch at the door to make sure that, that nobody comes in or does anything strange. Well, all right. I'm just running through the options. If the honey is just poison and kills us, I think we all had some. Well, I'm, I'm dying uh, then. And so maybe it's too late. True. Yes. If it puts us all to sleep, you... What do you... You don't ever sleep? We've, we've slept next to each other well, in a bed. Did I, I just... I sleep sometimes, but most nights I, I just sort of... Lay there, sometimes with my eyes closed, sometimes I stare at the ceiling, you know. Oh, sure, we, you have sleepless nights, but that doesn't mean sleep drugs don't work on you, does it? Oh, no, sleep drugs do work on me. It just, I, I'm not going to say that without knowing it, that the honey's gonna make us fall asleep. R right, but what I'm saying is that's a, a likelihood, is that he drugged us. So that we fall asleep. So that he can turn us I, into it wouldn't bee be food. the first time we've been drugged. No, exactly. And that's why I think we can't just wait, because this honey might take an effect, and then we all pass out, and then... Well, I don't know. Do you feel extra funny? Uh, I, uh, I, I turn that to Wesley. Do I feel extra funny? And has Detect Magic popped anything up? Um, you cast Detect Magic. Pocket watch open... It's ticking, becoming more rhythmic until you can start to feel the presence of anything that resonates off of it. And two things pop up. First, you can see walking around the kitchen a robe, the robe that the man is wearing. 
has some sort of magical eminence to it. And second, in the B room, you see something that looks like an accordion or a half accordion. Its shape is tough to discern, but if you could roll for me a intelligence check, perhaps you can discern it. And that would be with disadvantage, no doubt. And I rolled two fours anyway, so that is a six. It's an odd shape. It's not something you've seen or at least seen regularly. Wait, can I just ask, is it moving? Like half accordioning? No, it's stationary. Okay. Like an inanimate object you see behind the wall. Great. Go ahead. Sorry. And with that, there's a light patter of a knock on the door. It slowly opens. Uh, Hello, I... I don't want to... Is everybody clothed? Oh, yes, we are. Oh, good. And he comes in with two hot water bottles on a tray and puts them on a table. She does shoot Esper a little look. Like, could have said no. Oh, those would be so nice. I, My mother used to do this for me, and, and he puts it on the table. And they're, you know, they're hot water bottles. They're to put in the bed, to put around you to keep you warm. Uh, anyway, I've got two more to deliver here, so... Thank you so much. Could I just ask you, Mr. Dredgewell, that is a lovely cloak robe thing. Is that Does that protect you from the bees? Is that a beekeeper's cloak? Yes. And he takes it and he puts the hood over and drapes down this mesh cloth that kind of falls down to his chest. It's to protect me from getting stung. That's very clever. Is it? Is that standard? Did you make that yourself? I, I used found materials, but I, I have a knack for some crafting. That's that's very fascinating. I I am uh, a, a scientist of sorts. I would love uh, once I've had some rest to to swap uh, ideas with you and, and see how you did it. Oh no, those are those are for me. I, I I would love to, but some things I just want to keep personal. Thank you. And he gently closes the door behind him as he leaves. Oh, he's a magic man too, or something. Where he makes magic things. One or two. It, it It is a nice cloak. You look very suspicious. Yes, I do and am very suspicious. I, I don't I don't think you're exactly wrong in thinking this, but I I get the feeling that you just presume that every new person is someone that we have to kill. You stabbed Eirik in the head after he was already dead. He he was already dead, and I had to, I had to get a hit on him because, wow, he upset me. How did he upset you, by the way? Because that was actually quite disappointing for me. I wanted to look at his brain to learn about myself and see if something about my condition was physiological, and you specifically made that impossible when Eirik hadn't really done anything particular to you. So I've been wondering where that animus came from. Well, he doesn't have to have done anything to me for me to understand how bad it was is that he he killed so many people. And I suspect that our host has killed a lot of people. I mean, we've killed people now too. And I am starting to get a little worried that you'll take it upon yourself to stab me in the head. 
You haven't upset me. Fair enough. Well, I... That came out a little bit wrong. I mean, it would take more than you just upsetting me for me to stab you in the head. I don't... You're not... I don't... I don't look at you or, or, or feel toward you that you're... That you're... A, a, a bad. People have looked at you that way, Esper. They've written you off as someone with violent tendencies. Someone who needs to be contained and controlled. The way that my old woodworking master put it is that people looked at me and, and they said I was exploitable. I don't know if that really means bad, but but people found space to use me for... I don't know if it was really experimentation or, or what it was, but they thought that they could get something out of keeping me where I was, and they thought that they could get something out of me through giving me a bunch of different things to drink. Is that what you think, that I'm exploiting you somehow? Uh, no. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to say that I don't get that feeling from you. Good. I rather think that you're exploiting me, aren't you, Esper? I'm a doctor to you when that's useful. When you think it can get you out of a situation you find unpleasant. But when I have opinions about how to regard a mentally ill person like Eirik, you're not particularly interested, are you? My expertise is boring in situations like that. Esper's head drops a bit and they face down looking at their feet. I don't... I don't really know how to deal with what we've been doing since we ended up together on this island and we, we've we've come into these dangerous situations. And I don't know your speciality and I, I, I don't know what you do or what you had wanted with him. I'm I'm sorry I ruined his his brain for you. That's fine. That's done. And I don't think it would have mattered anyway. I it's just a bit wearying that my speciality is reading and understanding people, their behavior. And it doesn't matter how many decades I spend proving that, does it? I'm still going to be judged for my good judgment. Go to sleep if you like, Esper. Nihilus. Your door gently opens a crack, and you hear, Hello? Oh, oh, knock first, please. He was disrobed. Oh, so, sorry, sorry. Oh, uh, closes the door. I asked the last people this, but I, I forgot. Um, is everybody robed in there? Please. Oh, give me a moment. <laughs> he just passed out. Nihilus, Nihilus was refreshing his clothing with some spare that he had in his backpack, and he puts on a shirt and some pants. Yes, 
<laughs> Come in. Uh, yes, I... Uh, <laughs> oh, excuse me. I, um, is, is Trevor passed out in the room? Oh, he's out like a light. Okay. Oh. So you're taking the same room, then, I see. Yeah, he and I are taking the same room. He steps in with a tray with two hot water bottles. I... I, I just brought this. I... <laughs> He puts it down on the table. And, and yes, you, you look nice. Bye. And he steps out and closes the door. Thank you. <laughs> it's like, hmm. And he tries to uh, gently so puts one close to uh, Trevor, but like a nightstand or something. In case he wakes up, he has something hot. And he puts one under his pillow, finishes his prayer, and goes to bed. And kind of with a with a hint of a smile, he'd like that compliment. Everybody can get a long rest, not a full rest. Look back at the rules. Uh, long rest is what half of our hit die available. Yes, half of your maximum hit die. Plus, in case we have food and a warm resting place, so it would be an extra plus a one for spells and also for a hit die. Uh, don't forget, on the long rest, you regain half of your um, maximum hit die and you can also use up to half of your maximum hit die. And because I think it's appropriate, does a long rest in these homebrew rules do anything about exhaustion or is that requiring a full rest? No, it's a long rest. Is what we've been doing. Yeah, if if you have food and a warm place, like right now, it only gets you a maximum removal of one. But a heavy rest would remove everything. Before Doctor Glass decides whether she's going to take a long rest, Esper, let's let's have a compromise. Why don't we just push our bed against the door, and then I'll sleep a bit. I'll sleep more soundly. Esper will get up from where they've been sitting without a word and motion for Dr. Glass to just be clear of the bed before pushing it along the floor to get in front of, get it in front of the door. Thank you, dear. What you assume to be morning comes because there is a sweet baking-like sw- smell coming from the hallway through the door. You can recognize it immediately because you're right next to the door. It basically wakes you up. The sleep you got, though technically a long rest, didn't feel the most restful. But then again, everybody, you've been through a lot in the last couple days and weeks. And starting with Dr. Glass, do you eventually leave the room? I would try to wake up early, as early as possible. Uh, and I mean, I'd be happy to wake. I'm glad that we wake up. <laughs> so I wake up and and we're normal and alive and everything. Yes, yes. It's uh, and you can tell it's early. You can feel still a little bit tired. Esper constantly awake. You notice her stirring, but I would say at this point. Nihilus and Trevor, if you're getting a normal bout of rest, you might still be asleep. I suppose I can't leave the room until Esper's awake because the bed is against the door. You can tell she's awake. In fact, you can't even tell that she slept. Uh, 
once she moves the bed and I freshen up, I'm still, I don't eat any of the the snacks that Dredwell left us yet. I think I, I put a few scones in my bag. I wrap them up and put them in my bag for later. And that is data. That is information. Uh, we were not killed in our sleep. We did make entrance very difficult, if not impossible. So she is going to leave as quietly as possible to see if the boys are still alive. When she does leave, Esper is eating a lot of those treats. Basically getting breakfast before breakfast. And also in the privacy of the room, though the though through an audio perspective, they are not hiding it. Visually, they did wait until es- uh, Dr. Glass left before they take out a vial of yellow ether, crush the bead, and make sure to take only maybe between a third and a half of it because of their experience in the bunker taught them that one full dose is way too much. So they're going to take some of the dose and then try to kind of squeeze the top of the tube so that it is a little more shut and they can pack it away safely again. You do so. You crush the bead, take the dose, and you look across the room where your shadow casts from the candle that's sitting very low, having been lit all night. Uh, And though this time it doesn't grow, it doesn't manifest, but you feel like it's staring at you, watching as you do this. Gulping down that small dose of ether and slowly putting the vial back into their pocket as they stare at it. Don't don't judge me. I think I've gone a little too... gone too far. I have to keep taking it now. It's going to be... It's going to be very rough if I stop. So please don't touch me. The candle goes out the moment you say that, and you feel its presence having turned its back on you. A few seconds of the silence and looking... from wall to wall on that back wall give up turn around open the door and leave the room just a moment before that Dr. Glass you stepped into the hall and just as you do so you see the door to the B room slightly open and the man was just about to step out and close it and he hastens his pace the moment you see this Closing the door. Ah, up so early. I was just like that. I can barely get sleep anymore. Yes, that does happen as we grow older, doesn't it? (laughs) You see a fresh pot of honey, and he walks across past you in the hallway. I'm baking honey bread. It seemed like your friend was a little upset, and I, I know a little bit about it, so she might enjoy. That's so thoughtful. Do you have the comb? I haven't uh I haven't had proper raw honeycomb in so long. Please roll persuasion. No longer disadvantage. But five on the die. So thirteen. Well, um uh, that that is a pleasant way to 
enjoy it. And I do have to replace the comb so that the bees have something to do in their production, their, their warehouse. Um, sure, let me get that for you. Uh, why don't you wait in the kitchen and I'll step back inside and, and grab some comb for you. And as soon as he is out of earshot and eyeshot, I cast Detect Thoughts. So while he's going down the hall, I will be detecting his thoughts. It lasts for a minute. You silently mutter the incantation as you walk away, and turning your eyes, glancing just for the last second to catch him, you enter into his mind at the surface level, and you hear... Honeycomb. Why do they want honeycomb? It's already hard enough. Fine. Just let me unlock this. And you hear the door unlock across the hall. The door opens. Uh, let me get the knife. And steps inside. And closes it behind him. Well, alright. Uh, you can go deeper if you want but that would be a wisdom saving throw, I believe, on his part. These are just the surface level thoughts you can get for free. If I probe, he'll know I'm probing, even if uh, he fails his save. So definitely do not want to ripple the waters here. I'm going to just shift the the focus of the spell slightly uh, to detect the presence of thinking creatures I can't see, uh, which does penetrate barriers, just to make sure there are still two thinking creatures in the room Nihilus and Trevor slept in. Actually, I'm going to scan the whole house to see how many thinking creatures there are. You scan the house. Your first thought on Nihilus and Trevor scanning their room, and you sense the presence of two sets of thoughts starting to stir. The man is is walking back down the hall now, having closed the door with the honeycomb, and is knocking on doors, and you even feel the the jolts in their minds as they come to consciousness, having their door wrapped upon. Uh, breakfast! Bre- breakfast! And you feel Esper, Nihilus, Trevor, the man, but then there is another more slow set of thoughts that come from the honey room. Oh no. That half accordion thing was a rib cage maybe? Someone being kept artificially alive? The accordion, I would say there is somewhere you've seen something a little similar, though it's not exactly the same. When you came upon Dr. Buring's room, there was a device that would inhale a bag that would be attached to him that kept him breathing. <laughs> the accordion that expanded and contracted there had a similar texture to it, shape, though it's clearly not the same thing <laughs> or for the same purpose even. <laughs> I would just like the audience to know I mean, that one of my fellow players put in chat, I love how Dr. Glass assumes the worst. I do not know why Dr. Glass is getting all this heat this session she has been me. proven correct <laughs> every single and like, oh yeah this, right in our cozy little uh, beer and pretzel studio ghibli game why is Dr. Glass always assuming the worst <laughs> anyway 
Um, well, that's, uh, that's disturbing. And, uh, something she had not considered. That maybe it is not in the clear type news that we are not dead. And she's going to continue to not eat the honey. But, uh, I think if there's, like, tea on the table, she can fix herself tea. She's gonna sort of, like, make it look like she put honey in it. Like, she's gonna, like, dirty a spoon. Please roll performance. At this point, Nihilus, Trevor, and Esper, you could be making your way to the kitchen, unless you have something else in mind. What was that performance roll? Thirteen. You make a show of dirtying a spoon and putting it into the tea. There's no honey on it. It's hard to tell if that was noticed. Just leave, I like, have it next to my teacup with like a honey smear. Oh, good morning, everybody. I, 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 I made, uh, and he takes out the tray and holds it out. It doesn't look as professionally done as yours did. It's not the quite the right shape. It's not quite the right size. A little lopsided. But it, to disregard the looks, it tastes good. And he puts it onto the table. Oh, no, I shouldn't have filled up on those scones you left. I had them when we woke up. Well, I'll have a bit of this later. Yes, uh, always. I'll keep it to the side. A most welcome sight in the morning after a long day that we had yesterday. Be happy to oblige. Thank you. Again, Dredge. We seem to be thanking you for everything. Perhaps we could talk about how we could be of service to you in trade, or at least something. I feel so guilty. By the way, now Dr. Glass will speak into Nihilus's mind uh, and say, there's a thinking being alive in the B room, uh, or at least partially alive. I think I'm avoiding eating the honey, personally. Make of that what you will. <clears throat> he thinks back the bees? A person with with sentient thoughts of, uh, of, and great enough intelligence to register on my abilities. A queen bee? Niles <laughs> is thinking of the smartest bee he knows. <laughs> <laughs> At, at this point, he's just looking into the air because he's not used to being able to do like this. So he's like mumbling a bit with his words and like thinking aloud, it's like eating. And like the moment the, the, the food enters his mouth, in, in your mind, everything starts to come with a crunch as well. Uh. A human person, Nihilus, likely humanoid person, being kept alive as a feast for bees. For the queen Ooh. bee, perhaps. <sighs> Oh my goodness, if the queen bee has sentience, that, I don't even know if that's better or worse, but, and she cuts off the feed because she doesn't want her reaction to be visible. All of a sudden, there's like all these thoughts of a sentient queen bee that are subsuming Dr. Glass. At at this point, Nylister starts to sit back across his legs and he just sends off these theories and it might take a minute or two before he realizes that the connection has been lost now, but he doesn't realize. Well, actually, she pops back in and says, what if it's a a patriarchal conspiracy to create a king bee? And then she drops out again. It's so so kind of you to offer help. I'll be honest, I've done so much helping of others that... It's hard for me to ask. 
Honestly, it truly is. Oh, but please, I'm a doctor and Nihilus here is a holy man. That's what we do. Perhaps I could examine your eyes. Possibly or acquire more water for you. I can imagine it'd be tremendous in order to get more. Please, any way we can help. Well, uh, yes. um, There is something. uh, I'm old. I can't lift as well as I used to. This building has a a basement to it where I keep some of the supplies, at least as a halfway point before bringing them up. Perhaps you could help me restock for the next few weeks. There's some crates down there, but it's also... It's it's not the most pleasant place. Uh, no matter how that is presented, there is a moment where Esper cl- casts a glance over to Trevor. Trevor is... Uh... Looking uh, a bit half-minded over at Dredge, Uh, he does have a handful of the honey cake in his hand and is chewing on it, Um, just kind of absent-mindedly. He is kind of looking around, and when Esper is looking at him, he will return the look just kind of quizzically. It... it's, It's a borderline, like, the seed of panic is in her expression, but if he's not looking like he's sharing the same kind of sentiment right off the bat, she's just going to shake it off, take another bite of honey cake, which she is enjoying this time. It's actually quite tasty. It th- doesn't look good, but she got mm. some part of it right. You know, it doesn't really matter how it looks, as long as it tastes good. I, I, I've also done this many times before. I, 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 I don't... If, if you don't want to, it's it's okay. Have you? Sounds like an easy task as he uh, goes to sit upright and suddenly, like, there's a crack of stabbing pain from one of the wounds that have not yet recovered. So, <laughs> perhaps after the cakes. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we don't want to take up too much of your time, right? Uh, as much as it is nice to come into this warm home in the middle of a salt waste... Uh, we do have places to be, right? Of course. Yes, do we know where we are? How far are we from anywhere? Linus pulls out a map that he made in the week's time that they had in the bunker of its own creation and together with Vander whenever they had a moment to like to square some things away. Oh, well, um, yeah, so, so you're approximately here and he points onto the map and... Would somebody, anybody, please roll me a d20 straight? I'll do it. It's a nine. Over here, and he points towards kind of the an area farther away from where you think you were in the bunker, up in like a little crest of a hill. Uh, you've made it quite a long way to get here, which is why I was so surprised, I guess. Uh, um, Bob, uh, not Bob, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was just going to chat with my dad. I don't know what Bob. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dredge, uh, do, uh, do, you, do you happen to know any place where there might be, um, other underground bunkers? Maybe, uh, maybe those belonging to, to wealthier people? 
uh, look, I, I'm I'm gracious to be a host to you, but the places I know is how I make my livelihood, how I find my supplies. I I won't. I can't share them. I, I wish I could. I, oh, oh, we're not we're not trying to f- steal your supplies or anything like that. It's just we're trying to get somewhere as well. Well, if you want to make your way back, I I can help with that. And I'll tell you what, you help me with this task, and I'll I'll draw it out for you. I'll even give you the landmarks you have to pass by to find your way. Wes, have we lost the tire tracks, or do we still have a, a, a thing we're following? In in the process of coming all this way in such a distance, these the drifts of salt quickly cover them up after hours of following them. That makes we did sense. make progress, but then it immediately was lost to you. Um, if you don't mind me asking, I'm just a bit curious as all. Uh, how long have you been here? Aren't you a bit lonely? If you know your way out, why are you here? And I, I, I'm not judging. I really am just curious. Well, I... I made a mess of things yeah. over on the island. I... I worked for the Meridials, and when you when you upset a family, it, it's death. It's it's not. It's I, I did something that I shouldn't have, and and I can't leave. It's it's hard to leave off of this island if you've lived here. I only had scrip. You might have gold, silver, but they they don't give that to us here, and there's no way to pay for a fare change it it's the only place I felt safe was here far away thank you for sharing kind of leaning back uh, still kind of drowsy just kind of absentmindedly says oh what'd you do I I killed the noble in the Meridian family. It was self-defense. And that's all. Nihilus tries to think back the best that he can. He, he knows some information about the, the Meridial, so he knows that they're connected to Kieranstone, they have history, uh, although it was not his topic of uh, interest, particularly when studying to become an Inquisitor in uh, Kieranstone. But thinking back to his studies, is there anything he could have picked up as to two questions, I suppose? One, any kind of uh, noble killing that would put him into a situation like this, or would he have to have someone of higher esteem in order to actually be this, this afraid? And other thing is, can he maybe think back to other information, uh, anything that could be useful at all to him right now? Please roll a history check. Will do. For total of 22. Okay. It was very newsworthy at the time. The Marils, they took their claim in the island of Crowperch. They succeeded in starting the empire that would eventually pay dividends back to Kieranstone, competing with other families from other places. One of the sons of the original settling family had been murdered. And there's already doubt in Karen Stone government and how religion is used 
as a tool, but it was reported as a murder in cold blood. There was no photos or pictures at the time, a newer technology, but there was an artistic depiction of a man with his chest carved open and his ribcage broken. Uh, an approximate, is it like long time ago as in this happened while he was studying and it was news or he read about it about a thing in the past, thing in the past, right? This is uh, something that happened possibly before you even became a priest. This is in your early years. It's formational. There's a bit of a an intriguing look on Nidus's face. He squints his eyes and he thinks back. You, I think I read about this, about the starting family. It's happened so long ago before I even um, before I even joined the Sorcerer's Modium. Truly, have you been hiding here for for so long, Dredge? Oh, you, you know of it. And he immediately looks a little bit pale. I... Yeah, it was a long time ago. I, I'm not that person. I mean, it was... Look, it doesn't matter, but I'm here f- because of that. I mean, hey man, I, I don't blame you. Honestly. The way the houses throw their weight around here, it's only... You know, it's inevitable that you know you're gonna rub up against someone the wrong way, and I mean, I don't like to make assumptions about your character, but if it is self-defense, I wouldn't blame you. They like to control people. You push back sometimes; uh, they realize they bit off more than they could chew. He kind of gives a shrug. Calmed, he looks. Thank you. Dr. Glass is a little freaked out by the coincidence of us on the run from a great house because I killed someone important to them in self-defense running into this guy. Uh, Nihilus, having said that, takes a while this conspiracy theory off the plate, but she still is examining Dredge, thinking... He never asked our name. He's never asked our names. He doesn't seem worried about us at all. Does he know something about us? But either right when we walked up or while we were asleep, is he lot like she's examining him for signs that he knows more than he's letting on? Please roll insight. Oh, that is a natural twenty for twenty-seven. Finally, a good roll. And on this, the answer is probably no. He's telling you <laughs> the truth about everything. Interestingly, it's familiar to you how he behaves. He didn't ask your names. He didn't ask where you came from or where you're going. You've seen similar behavior, antisocial personality disorder, Maybe a bit of a narcissistic personality disorder, as a psychologist, of course. And that look in his eyes, 
maybe just a hint in this soup of mental illnesses that you're trying to diagnose on the spot before him. Psychopathy. She's also remembering vaguely that Eirik talked about the murders he committed. Actually, I don't remember if she was there. Yeah, he told that to her. That wasn't just Anilis. Uh, that he... It all started for him because he had a dream or uh, a vision that he would create a murder. Create a murder. Commit a murder. And then he woke up and did the salted stout. Bookmarking that. And then he committed more murders. I don't think that he's... I don't think that that Dredge is nexus bound, but she's just making connections between outwardly kindly serial killers and this island driving people mad and is he he's eating the honey he's eating plenty of the honey right yes yeah. he seems to be enjoying it even you you almost notice that he closes his eyes just kind of taking pause to taste it and enjoy it and can you remind me again can you, what was the task that he wants to help with in the basement did he say just lifting stuff, carrying stuff? A crate? Just boxes. Uh, a crate. If, if you could carry it up, I, I would certainly appreciate it. Always, always asking, people are always asking Trevor to help move crates so they can kill him. Seems like uh, it's in my wheelhouse. This is deja vu. Alright, thank you. Uh, consolidating all of that and into into Nihilus's mind. She says, Oh dear, this man is quite mad, I fear. Not the kind of mad where I extend my unconditional positive regard and help them through their struggles. The kind of mad where we get very, very far away as quickly as possible. The kind of mad without remorse or empathy what Valadin was talking about when he spoke about a lack of humanity. Interesting perspective. Things back does say aloud. Interesting perspective. It's not the read that I'm reading with the man sitting in front of me. Although I do sense a hint of something that drives him with absolute purpose to be here. So I do take your words to caution. Yet, he did save us. All right, I give up. No one cares about my advice. And she ends the connection. And you know, these thinking back things and the notices again, the connection's been severed without him realizing. And she stands up and says, Mr. Dredgewell, uh, where can I go wash my hands? Oh, I, I have to preserve water. I, oh, of course. It's hard to come by. We don't use it for bathing. There's, among the supplies ran out up here recently, but those that you're bringing up is a powder, dry. Uh, it's it's like soap. You can use it without water. It, it does the trick. Well, first I'm going to go uh, put on my proper shoes. Uh, Trevor, would you come help me? You know, I have trouble uh, bending over the first thing in the morning before I've done my stretches. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, I can do that. Uh, I can do that. And then you need me to move the boxes. Like, if we, if we do this for you, you said you'd direct us out of here? 
Mr. Dredge? Yes, uh, though you're welcome to stay for as long as you like. I know how this oasis might be tempting, but I will show you the landmarks to look for so you don't get turned around in that wretched salt. Yeah, that, that'd be fantastic. Uh, as much as we would love to stay, we got business in the city, so, you know, we, we really gotta be skedaddling. Um, here, let me uh, let me go help you out, Doc. Gonna stand up and, and go with her. And she creaks up and limps her way back to her room. And once they're inside and the door is closed, she says, All right, Trevor, listen. I know no one puts much weight on what I have to say about people, but that man is a remorseless murderer. Oh, damn. If he doesn't, if by some miracle he doesn't kill us in the basement and feed us to his bees, he might very well misdirect us in the salt just for a mild amusement because he is a sadist, most likely, and is toying with us. Uh, I believe there's a person being kept in suspended torment in that bee room. I think we should likely, we could leave, we could tie Dredgewell up or incapacitate him some way and try to help whoever's in there. I don't know, but I would recommend not going into a basement with a psychopathic killer. That's my professional advice. Uh, oh, okay. I'm I'm gonna say something. All, all right, and I don't want this to sound like I'm I'm naysaying or I'm discrediting what you're saying. I'm just gonna say what I'm thinking. All right. When I walked in here, I could tell he was a little squirrely, a little weird. I mean, I you know he's living on his own in the desert. Uh, you know, I figured he, he was just like a, a loner. Now I find out that he's running away from uh, a house just like we were. Um, so I'm just going to let you know that you just dropped like so much on me that I can't really uh, file it away properly. So like I said, I'm not saying you're not right. I'm just saying that that was not where I was coming from. We were not on the same page with that. And I'm, I'm trying to catch up with you. Um, okay. So that's why you was staring at Nihilus for like two minutes. Okay. I got you. No, Trevor. I'm in love with him. Well, I know that ain't true. You don't need to read my mind. Tell me that. Okay. So say, I do believe you. I could. Do you want me to walk you through all the evidence and the steps? Suppose I could lay out my homework. I don't think that's going to be necessary. I don't even know if that would even move us forward here. Um, I'll just say yes. All right, he is a sadist, and uh, he lured us in with honey bread to feed us to his uh, bees. I think that's what. 
the gist is? Yes, you're, I- you always catch up much quicker than you give yourself credit for, Trevor. Okay, uh... That sounded crazy when I said it. I'm just throwing that out there. But he's crazy. I believe you. Um, so, what do we do about that? What? What? I, we have options. We could just leave. I, I'm saying I don't think you should go. He- we should go help him in the basement. And I don't think we should trust his directions. Uh, if we want to, then further engage in heroics then that is uh, an additional conversation. Okay. I sensed thought, intelligent life in the bee room, uh, beleaguered thought, unhappy life. So, okay. If we go out there without any directions, that's no good. We don't have any tracks to follow. We're basically wandering we could try and follow, like, pick a direction and just go. Uh, that's a bit of a gamble. Um, option two, we do this quick job, do it together. We get a direction that might not be true. That might not, he might be playing us. He might be killing us. I mean, I'm sorry. I can't give you a version where things are good, Trevor. The situation I, I, is not good. No, I'm, We're stranded I'm, I'm, in the salt wastes. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying I'm trying to be realistic here. All right, I'm trying. I'm looking at him and I'm looking at us. We're four people who just, you know, if things were to happen and the other shoe were to drop, you think we could take him? I mean, he seems pretty old. Yes. Well, there we go. But. That's my thought as well, but he has some sort of magic. Uh, He really didn't want me to know what his magic beekeeping robe does, which I'm inclined to believe it does more than protect him from bees. I I was about to say something. You were going to think that I was trying to argue with you. I'm not going to say that anymore. You're allowed to argue with me, Trevor. I'm sorry. I I ain't even arguing. I, I ain't saying. I'm just saying. Well put. You know, a dude has a, a robe that's magic. It, we're in a magic world. You got so much magic on you. Right? Am I wrong? You're not wrong. You are not wrong, Trevor. Man could get... You're worrying about getting honey. You're, maybe it's magic honey. No, that's that was my I very mean, first it, worry. I made Esper push the bed against the door before I was even willing to sleep because... My first thought was that he had drugged us with the honey, like Eirik had with the that orgy juice, and he w- was going to kill us in our sleep and feed us to the bees. Okay. Uh, so I was okay. wrong about that. I'm not saying that I'm always uh, right. I, I think I'm getting it. He never asked us our names. He wasn't worried about us. Yeah, it is, that is weird. He openly admitted that he's a murderer. I, I, yeah, but so am I, Right. And you didn't tell it to a table full of strangers like it was polite conversation, did you? Did you see me chime in with, oh, how funny, we have that in common. I'm also being hunted by a powerful house because I murdered someone in self-defense. Ha 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 Yeah, I guess that's a little bit. Yeah, okay. A- anyway, uh, back back to the, uh, the heart of the matter. Um, so, I'm thinking we like 
We, we go along with it for now. We just stick together, right? And if he starts acting crazy, you don't even have to kill him, probably. I don't think I even mentioned killing him. You didn't You didn't mention that? I, I don't think so. Oh, shit. Well, okay. Let, we'll table that for later. I, I suppose it's fair. I did get us all into this situation by murdering someone. It is fair that I'm now the murderer of the group. If you want me to kill him, I'll definitely kill him. If you don't want me to kill him, I might be able to do that. I'll try. But... He probably deserves it. If my theory is correct. Right. Okay. But... I'm not... I, I don't know if I care. Hmm. I just want us to get... I mostly want us to get out of here safely. Yeah, me too. Alright? Let's just play it cool. We'll just... You know, he just needs to know that we're cool, right? We're we're all cool. We we're fine with him killing somebody. At least he, he needs to think that we're cool with it, right? So then we just skedaddle. He had, he got no reason to feed us no bees, right? So he might be crazy, but maybe he's like not like these new people. I'm going to kill crazy. Let's let's figure out the flavor of crazy this guy's got. Uh, uh, my hypothesis is that that's exactly the flavor of crazy, is that I kill new people and feed them to bees because that's my favorite thing to do, but Well, if he goes to kill us, there's four of us, there's one of him. Yes. True. There you go. Simple math. I got that. Let's go talk to him. And Anyway, back when I was working in the Citadel, uh, I I certainly enjoyed the time at the tea shop. I I didn't own it. I was just a I was just selling tea. But this isn't that bad. I mean, it's not as bad as it could be. You know what I mean? There's worse. There's worse tea around. Yeah. Nihilus is sipping his tea and not really listening to what the, the man is saying as he's thinking to himself. Uh, question, DM. Uh, his name, uh, Dreadful. Uh, Dredge was short for what? Sorry again. His name was Dredgewell, and Dredgewell. he goes by Dredge for short. Yeah, uh, the name Dredgewell um, is it a common name known to him in Kieranstone, or would Nihilus perhaps have any sense that this is a cover name? Um, actually, come to think of it, Dredgewell would be a, a less common but pre- present name in Kieranstone. So yes, you would have heard it before. It does sound Kieranstonian. Mm. Um, so Nihilus, he sips his tea and he smiles a bit. Uh, he puts down his tea, he leans forward, and his smile drops to a serious question. Dredge, are we the only ones here? Uh, oh, um... Yes, of course. Lovely! And he wanted to have a look if he can tell if man is lying. Please roll insight. Asper's out there in the middle of chewing on any cake. When that conversational shift happens, it's just looking back and forth between them. For a total of 23. What's interesting about the way he looks at you is he has this, this ability to put a face on, almost like a mask. And if not for your attunement to the small details when you're looking somebody over... You might have glanced right past this, but a small, sand-sized bead of sweat beads by his brow 
as you can see, while his expression comes across surprisingly truthful, it's not. Wonderful. Sorry I'd ask. It just... You know how it is out there in the desert. Well, we've met a border stalker that are people out there in this... I was going to say wonderful island, but it's been interesting, to say the least. It's very dangerous out there. Mm, yes. And we just... We don't want to be caught by... Surprise. Of course. Um, I swear, that's, you know... Uh, help with boxes. Oh, and sir, about the water. Perhaps I could help you out with some. I can conjure some more. Uh, perhaps after you show us the way back, a uh, bit of a win-win situation. Either way, we'll get started on those boxes now. And he gets up. I've seldom met anybody who can do that, but oh, in my day, wow, I would love that. Well, I'm a follower of Saurus' testimonium. There's a lot you can do with the openness and truth and knowledge for the right materials. Yes. Well, and at this point, you're getting up to go help with what he asked? Yeah. I will, or Esper will Uh first, make sure that Dr. Glass and Trevor are with us. Yeah. Okay. So you wait, some time goes by, and just as you say this and are starting to stand up, Dr. Glass and Trevor are heading down the hall. I I appreciate it. And once you do so, I'll not only point the way, but I'll take out my map as well and, and show you my my passages. I have a few options. And I'll keep you company up here, Mr. Dredwell, while they work. Obviously, I'm not the best with stairs. Oh, certainly. Uh, would you like for me to make anything for you? Uh, oh, I actually have... <laughs> he puts a smile on his face. Uh, I have this wonderful game that I found in one of the... <laughs> the bunkers the ones I'm not telling you about they're my things and he takes it out and puts it on the table and it's like these black and white pieces some foreign game to you probably foreign to the world and this wouldn't have pinged my detect magic that was up before right no it's it's weathered and old but it, it's, a, it's a game I, I've been meaning to play it with somebody we could do that while they're taking care of the storage lovely uh, Trevor can tell you I love playing games, and I'm almost a gracious loser. Yeah. Oh, I I never lose. Never. Not once with this game. But I'll show you the rules, and I'll make it fair. I don't think I need to do any sort of role. That's just a very sinister thing for him to say. And she is... She does not... Her... her, her she's on red alert. This game is not just a game. She is fairly certain. Here, uh, he goes over to the shelf and takes off some old raggedy gloves in case you need it. Uh, he comes over. He's frail. I, maybe I haven't been describing it, but he hobbles over with his arched back and hands you over the gloves, Nihilus and Trevor and Esper. He's older than Dr. Glass, right? I've, I've been imagining him like 80. Oh, certainly. At least. Yeah. He's got that liver spot that goes all the way up his head. He's m- mainly bald. Thank you. Um, and he accepts the, the gloves and follows wherever he needs to go. Um, he's trying to be passively helpful, uh, but he's looking for a moment to have distance between himself and Dredge. Um, a moment hopefully close with Trevor and Esperance. Well, I mean, if you're stepping out into the hall, you could make as much distance as you want. Yeah. 
he does exactly so. He pulls away from a distance and he has them close to him. He gestures, he doesn't say, uh, say a word. And uh, then Nihilus pulls out his uh, Vox Brass communicator. He points it towards the forbidden room um, with the gesturing uh, of the being another creature there and especially with his own confirmation that the stubborn uh, he, stubborn person that he is uh, which he needed in order to get that confirmation that they are not alone he pulls out this fox brass communicator and whispers into it hoping to connect with the creature on the other side of that door and he casts a, a spell message uh, which can go through uh, solid objects. And he whispers loud enough for Trevor and Esper to hear, but hopefully not loud enough for anyone else to hear. And he says, My name is Nihilus von Stormen. I am an inquisitor, a priest, and a follower of Testimonium of Saurus. I fear that you are not well. You can respond by whispering. Are you all right? The Vox Brass Communicator works in a special way. It connects to your brainwaves, it transmits, it receives. And the first thing you begin to hear is this itching resonance, this humming, like thousands of bees all buzzing in their hive. It almost vibrates the inside of your skull. It's that irritating nails on a chalkboard type sound. You've used this before. The sound is coming from the person who you're connecting with. And you hear as the buzzing gets louder and more straining. You almost have to squint to keep your focus on it. Somewhere else. A melodic whistling, followed by footsteps on stone. They walk across a cavernous room that now has the sound of salt storms protruding, whereas previously it didn't. The footsteps stop in front of a round robotic automaton lifeless on the ground. A dagger comes out to pry the creature slightly open, looking inside. Interesting. He sees as the core is missing. He steps up a staircase and then another to a round table with bodies surrounding it. Their heads in a different state of decay than the bodies, but fresh. He takes one of them inspects it and takes his dagger and cuts over the top to reveal the skull and then cuts in to reveal the inside. 
What did they find here? He follows the cables as he walks across that upper floor to the center of the room, seeing the destruction that was wrought. He takes the mask hanging by his side and brings it up to his face and takes one breath. Puts it back down. I wouldn't put them more than a a day or two. Steps down. I better check the bunker. Takes the mask and straps it to its face, pulls it tight, and opens the door, stepping into the salt wastes. And that's where we'll end the session. <laughs>